With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Hi, I'm Ron Barr, and this is today's edition of Ron Barr's Sports Byline USA podcast on the 8Side Network. Dave Hansen joins us on Sports Byline. Over a 10-year pro hockey career, he played 33 games in the NHL with the Detroit Red Wings and Minnesota North Stars and 103 games in the World Hockey Association with the New England Whalers, the Minnesota Fighting Saints, and the Birmingham Bulls. He also spent a lot of time in the minors playing with teams in places like Johnstown, Hampton, Toledo, Indianapolis, Oklahoma City, and Adirondack. And one of the all-time great sports movies, of course, is the classic Slapshot about a minor league hockey team, the Charlestown Chiefs, starring Paul Newman, but no one can forget the Hanson brothers. And Dave Hanson was cast as Jack Hanson, one of the Hanson brothers, and he appeared in several other films along with Steve Carlson and Jeff Carlson for his part in the sequel, Slapshot 2, Breaking the Ice. When you think about that movie, and you've watched it, I'm sure, many times, what did you like or dislike about the movie, Dave? Well, quite frankly, there wasn't anything I disliked. You know, I can remember the first time I did see it, uh, which of all places at Yale University, which was the... Uh, uh, the School of Liberal Arts there that George Roy Hill, our director, supported strongly. So he, he chose to have the uh, the premiere there at Yale University. You know, when we sat there in that in that theater of of surrounded by professors and their and their wives and other uh, uh, collegiate administrators, the only people that seemed to be laughing were the the, the actors and, and the people from the movie that were actually part of the movie. So it kind of struck me a little strange. That that was I'm thinking, geez, this is the way that this movie's going to be uh, be uh, re- received uh, amongst all the viewers. Uh, uh, but but after everything went out, you know, and the movie went out, obviously it was it was a great hit, and, and a lot of people had a lot of laughs. So there really was nothing I didn't like about it. Uh, you know, what I liked about it was that every time I see it, and like you said, I've seen it probably not as many as most people, but but more than some, that I laugh every time I see it. One of the things that I liked about it, Dave, is that I thought it caught the culture of minor league hockey. Now, you know how Hollywood can be. They can go overboard about certain things. But when you think collectively of the players of the franchise in the minor leagues, of the little towns that they reflect and represent and everything, I thought it caught that real well. How close was it to reality from a guy that played the game of hockey? Well, I can tell you it's more fact than fiction. You know, pretty much everything that went on in that film, well, especially the hockey scenes, 
with the exception of, of strip tees, really happened, and it really happened to the team I was playing with and the league I was playing in at the time. Nancy Dowd, who uh, wrote, this, wrote the film, wrote the script for the film, was a sister of one of the hockey players that we were playing with at the time, and, and she literally came out and watched us play, and, and then from, from uh, that point on would receive uh, tape recordings of, of things that went on during the season from her brother Ned, and so, you know, all the, almost all the characters and all the activity and action that went on, uh, the foundation for it was the way things were and, and the things that happened in that league. So you couldn't, get, uh, you couldn't get a more accurate portrayal of minor league hockey at that time. Um, and, of course, like you said, it had a little bit of a Hollywood spin on it, but you know, the basics of it was that's the way it was then. Charleston, uh, what city did you guys shoot the film in? Well, it was Johnstown, Pennsylvania. So again, uh, you know, she just she just took the name a little bit and, and fictionalized it and turned it into a Charlestown instead of Johnstown. But you know, it was Johnstown at that time was a steel mill town where the uh, steel workers were uh, trying to get laid off and the hard times were coming. And uh, and that team that we had there in Johnstown is what you saw in the movie. You know, it's interesting you bring that up because I could tell that it was a steel town. And when you think about, and I've said this many times on the air, Dave, I think teams take on the personality of the cities that they represent. I think of the Pittsburgh Steelers being kind of a blue-collar type of town. And I really felt that the Chiefs uh, did reflect the personality uh, of the town, which was actually, as you said, uh, not Charleston. But uh, did it take on the personality of the, of the city? Oh, absolutely. You know, the neat thing about Johnstown is it was a blue-collar town, steel work steel workers, uh, coal miners, and and uh, and the team that we had was really, you know, not a, there was no real superstars. It was a bunch of uh, hardworking, uh, plugging guys willing to go in the corners, get their noses dirty, and, and fight for every uh, piece of that ice that they could get. And, and so we were, you know, we were a city that uh, even though the mills were shutting down and, and people were having a hard time trying to figure out what to do with the discretionary dollar, if they had any, uh, what we had going on there in Johnstown on the ice was something that they felt it was worthy of spending their dollar, and they'd come out and, and drink their Iron City beers and, and get their shots of bourbon and whiskey and, uh, and, and watch us play some, uh, some hard-nosed hockey. How hard was it for a non-actor, meaning an athlete, to play an acting uh, role? Well, it started out a little difficult for us. You know, you hit the nail on the head. We were athletes, never, never acted. At least I know Steve and Jeff never did. I did some acting in high school, you know, at, at uh, musicals and things like that, but nothing at a professional level. So, so when we first got the scripted lines that we were supposed to read and, and try to do it nationally in front of a camera when George Ray Hill said action, it certainly didn't come out smooth. It kind of came out mechanical and... and really stupid looking so to the credit of george ray hill and newman and a few of the other uh professionals they kind of got to the point where they say hey look at guys you know this is your arena this is this is should be something that's national to you guys you're hockey players just be hockey players so you know here's the scene here's the setup here's the lines we'd like you to say but you know do what you think would come natural so once we got got that put into uh, put into our minds. We kind of started playing with it a little bit more and became a little more relaxed and did a lot of ad-libbing. So the combination of you know the great lines that Nancy Dowd had scripted for us and the ad-libbing in the direction of George Ray Hill, it just came off as real natural stuff. 
You know what impressed me the most, uh, I won't say a lot, is uh, that Paul Newman came off so well. And usually when you have a dominant actor like that, you're never sure whether they're going to overwhelm the movie or not. And then to do somebody something athletic, especially for a lot of people that watch a movie that maybe played hockey, they can pick apart. Uh, that never happens or, you know, you don't do that when you're playing hockey. I thought he did a very authentic job. Well, he did a terrific job, and that's one of the one of the difficulties that they had originally when they were looking to cast a film was trying to find you know, hockey players or, or let me say that again, trying to find actors that could play hockey players and play on the ice and look like real hockey players. Other than Michael Ankin, you know, the rest of the group that they had out there that were professional actors weren't really uh, high level hockey players. You know, they played a little amateur hockey here and there. Uh, but, you know, the deal with Paul Newman was Paul skated uh, as a youngster in Ohio growing up, but he never skated with a hockey stick in his hand. So, you know, he was at 51 years old. He was as fit as a fiddle and an athletic. He had, had a lot of athleticism about him, but he didn't. You put a hockey stick in your hand, and, and, and it would be a little difficult. So to his credit, and this is probably, you know, one of the reasons why we had such a great relationship uh, off the screen, and how well it came across on the screen, to his credit, he would come to us and say, hey, guys, okay, you know, what would a hockey player do here? Oh, how do I handle this stick there? And blah, blah, blah. And so we would show him a couple of things, and he'd work his tail off till he uh, mastered it, at least well enough to make it look good on, look good on the camera. So uh, he did a great job. It came across screen uh, really, really well. Dave Hansen is with us, and we're talking about the sports movie classic Slapshot, in which he was a part of it. Everybody knows the Hansen brothers. I would also think, like shooting a football movie that has such a collision and action in it, hockey being the same thing, that once they were rolling and you started playing, it was hard to almost curtail uh, the physicality so you didn't hurt one of the fellow skaters or actors. Well, you had to be a little careful with the actors, but, you know, with, with the pro hockey players and a lot of the, uh, the, the real action scenes that we shot, the fast action hockey scenes that we shot, was against the other teams were all hockey players, you know, the vast majority of them. And so, you know, you can play real hockey and hit out there and, and, uh, and make it look, you know, look the way it's supposed to look without really hurting anybody. But, you know, there was an occasional slip here, uh, uh, an elbow there where someone could get caught, get a bloody nose, or, or split a cheek open. And, uh, you know, one of the parts where we did when, when Newman ends up get hit into the boards by Ogle Oglethorpe, uh, there was some great concerns about how they could do it and make sure that he did not get hurt. But, you know, I think everybody except for Paul Newman and, and the hockey players were concerned because, you know, we knew how to do it. We could do it right, make it look right. That's the way it finally came off. We've got about 30 seconds before we have to break here, Dave, but uh, I thought the other actors and the other roles, like the owner and also the broadcaster and everything, it really added to the whole aura of that movie, did it not? Well, it certainly did, and again, you know, keeping in mind what I said earlier, that this movie was based more on fact than fiction, the, uh, the owner of the team, uh, Joe McGrath, was portrayed after uh, uh, the owner of our team then, which was Johnny Mitchell, and you know, he was a very uh, uh, character kind of uh, a guy himself in real life. So Struther did an outstanding job of portraying him and, and firing off some of the old lines that Johnny Mitchell would do. And the same thing with the sportscaster. He was kind of a takeoff of the local sportscaster uh, in Johnstown who wore a, wore a wig 
and uh, was quite a character himself. So both those guys did a great job. Dave Hansen is with us. We'll continue talking about the infamous movie. I guess you could say that, but certainly it was one of the special classic movies, Slapshot, as we continue on Sports Byline. You're listening to Ron Barr's Sports Byline USA podcast. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh my, look at that, he is... And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Dave Hansen has joined us on Sports Byline, one of the uh, Hansen brothers in the classic uh, hockey movie Slapshot. Let me go back to where you grew up. You grew up in St. Paul, Minnesota. You started football, baseball, and basketball. But you continued playing hockey for the St. Paul Vulcans and for Herb Brooks at the University of Minnesota. How did you choose hockey over the other two sports? Well, it's it's uh, it's kind of a strange story. I mean, actually, hockey out of the three sports I played, which was football, baseball, and hockey, you know, hockey was the least one was the least of the three. Although I loved all three sports, but probably the sport I played the most because the winters were long. You know, in Minnesota, uh, whereas the fall and, and the spring seasons for baseball, football were short. So, uh, you know, played all three and growing up in high school. And, and my intention was to really uh, accept a scholarship to play collegiate football. Uh, but I had a, my senior year, I had an accident sliding into second base, tore up my ankle, uh, which really prevented me from running as well as I could for football. And, and so really, uh, you had, I ended up having Herb Brooks come knocking on my door. And every, I won't say every, but I would say the vast majority of, of every kid growing up in Minnesota that's an athlete, you know, wants to be a, a golden goal for, for, for the University of Minnesota. So when Herb came knocking on my door and said, Dave, we'd like to have you be a golfer and play hockey for me, you know, I just couldn't turn it down. So, you know, that's what I grabbed a hold of and, and went in that direction. You know, you mentioned about Herb Brooks, uh, Herb, of course, passing away. Uh, but when I think about what he did with that 1980 hockey team up at Lake Placid, uh, what type of coach was he? Because every I've never met him, but everybody that I talked to said he was an exacting coach, but he was somebody that understood the talents and the personalities of all the players that played for him. Was that a fair depiction of him? Yeah, I think it really is. You know, you can, you could argue – his techniques that he used to bring the best out of each player individually and then to, to bring the best out of a player and put those players together as a team. But you can't argue the results. And, um, and that's, that's the kind of you know, guy that Herb was. He was honest uh, to a fault, and, uh, and he was uh, brutal at times, but he was... But he was there to put a pat, give you a pat on the back when you deserved it. But at the same time, you know, they hit you over the head with a hockey stick if you deserved that as well. Uh, but ultimately, the results 
that he produced and the development that he would have a player go through and become the best player he, he could be, you know, there was no arguments there. And, and uh, even though, unfortunately for myself, I made the decision after about a year and a half of Herb Brooks to take another direction. Uh, you know, my time with her was valuable time, and we became extremely close friends over the years. What was that different track you decided to take? Well, I decided to leave college hockey and jump back into juniors uh, with the desire to uh, kind of go pro instead of spending four years to go pro in two years. And fortunately, it worked out for me. Uh, you know, I, uh, I accomplished what I wanted to accomplish. Uh, you know, looking back and, and having a son that spent four years at a high-level university playing collegiate hockey and, and getting a real good feel of what that was for, you know, I... I look back, and I don't have any regrets, but uh, but at the same time, I often think I wish I would have stuck it out four years and had the collegiate experience and also had the opportunity to be uh, under Herb's wing for four years. Dave, I know when I've talked to uh, college football players and asked them once they go up to the National Football League what they noticed as the big difference, they all tell me the same thing, the speed of the game. Now, you know as well as I do, at the college level, you don't have the open physicality, the fights, uh, those sort of things at the college level that you find at the professional level as well. What did you find as the major difference, and how hard was it for you to adapt to that next level? Well, the major difference for me simply was strength. You know, everybody is strong up there. You know, when I turned pro, I was 20 years old. I was still maturing. Um, And so the strength of these players is... is, uh, much more than, than a young 20-year-old. Uh, and then the speed. You know, the, the speed is exceptional. You know, it, it's, it takes you a while to adapt to that speed and get up to that level, but, you know, if you want to play at that level, you have to do that. So, you know, the combination of those two things more than anything. And then the other thing was, you know, compared to amateur versus uh, professional, at least, at least at the collegiate level or even the junior level at that time is, you're playing 80, 80 plus games. You know, you get in the playoffs and you're almost playing 100 games, if not more, in the season. So, you know, that that's a toll that takes on its body, on your body, and on your mind, and everything else. So, it's it's a major adjustment, and and uh, so for an athlete, to, at least nowadays, to be 20 years old or even 21 years old and to jump right into the NHL, that athlete has to be an exceptional athlete, not only uh, talent-wise but physically and maturely. Did the up-and-down nature of your career over 10 years playing, you know, as I said, 33 games in the NHL and then 103 in the WHA, did that take a toll as well? How does emotionally a player deal with that? How did you deal with it? Well, I love the sport. You know, I just I didn't want to do anything but play hockey. I just loved playing hockey. So, you know, emotionally it wasn't tough at all. I just couldn't wait for the next day to come so I could either get on the ice and practice or, or play a hockey game. So, you know, emotionally... I just loved it. It was I was doing what I loved to do, and, and I didn't want to do anything else. Physically, it takes a toll. You know, when you're young, you, you can survive almost anything and, and get through it, no matter what the injuries are, or, or no matter you know how run down you feel. Uh, but you know, after four, five, six years of that, uh, suddenly uh, you know you're waking up with a few more aches and pains, and if you're lucky enough not to have to have any major surgeries on your knees or any other parts of your body, uh, you kind of get through that. But you know, for me, you know, players are different kinds of players. You have the, you have the physical players that have to that play hard every night and go in the corners and bang the bodies, and then you got what you would consider the highly skilled players that don't necessarily uh, do.
do the dirty work and, and can kind of dance around things. So, you know, I, I was a physical player, and uh, you know, I, I was a fighter, uh, and you know, and my my game was taking bodies and hitting people hard. So, you know, when my tenth year after finishing my tenth year pro, I was banged up quite a bit to the point where I just finally said, you know, I, I don't think the body can take it any longer, and, and I want to get out with some respectability my health, uh, and I made a decision, uh, and that was part of the decision to get out of the game so I could continue to be healthy for a while. You know, I've talked to a lot of pro hockey players, and I really admire them. First of all, they're excellent interviews, and also they have a passion for the game. I don't see them as I see, uh, say, baseball players or football players. There's something about that passion and that love for the game. Help me with it, Dave. Why is that, as collectively, uh, hockey players are like that? Well, it's a, it's a culture. Uh you know, hockey's got a great culture, and you find that if you look through the years, the majority of players usually come from small towns. Uh, you know, they've, they've played this sport all their life. Uh, it's a generation thing where, you know, their coaches uh, are usually uh, disciplinarian-type coaches. They, they have, make you understand the game, how to, not only how to play it, but the tradition behind it. And, and it's just a passion. Uh, you know, the players that move on are passionate about it. Now, uh, the game has changed a bit with the European influence and, and the amount of money that uh, the players are now making, making nowadays. But I think, you know, still the majority of the players play because they love the sport of the game and, and the, the money aspects of it are secondary to it. When you take a look at the movie Slapshot and you think back, I know uh, having been on a couple of sets in my career, there's always a lot of funny things that happen, and I see that especially in the sports movies. What was that in the case of that movie? Well, you keep in mind you had, uh, at least I'll speak for the three Hanson brothers, you know, you had you, you got guys that are 19, 20, 21 years old that typically spend the summertime going off and playing softball and drinking beer and, and just relaxing and having fun. Now all of a sudden we're on a movie set, and, you know, we have to be up at 6 in the morning, get through makeup, and then literally could sit there all day long till 6, 7, 8 o'clock at night, and nobody ever got around to uh, filming your, your the part of the film that you're supposed to be doing that day. So, you know, those days got a little long just sitting around, so uh, certainly it wasn't something that we were used to doing and, and didn't want to do, so, you know, little mischievous devils that we were just by nature it was an opportunity for us to kind of get out and start pulling some pranks on a few people that were unsuspecting. And then the fun part about it is Paul Newman jumped right in with both feet, and, and we would start off pulling a few jokes here and there and even on him, and then he would he would reciprocate in kind, and it made for a lot of fun times during the downtime. When you take a look back at that movie, what does it mean to you, and, and how close was it to what the what you were like and what the Hanson brothers were like? Well, yeah, to answer your second question first, I mean, it was right on the tee, uh, the way the Carlson brothers and Dave Hansen were um, in real life. You know, Jeff Jack and Steve Carlson, uh, who the Hansen brothers portrayed, were big, tough, long-haired, wore the black rim safety glasses. Uh, and then Dave Killer Carlson in the movie, which was kind of the character written after me, Dave Killer Hansen, you know, that's... That year, uh, I was a rookie, and, and I uh, I think I led the league, or close to led the league in, in penalty minutes uh, and fights. So, you know, all those parts uh, really were, were close to the way we really were. Uh, and then, you know, what looking back on the movie and, and what do I think of it, it was just a time that 
you know, at that time, it was, hey, do we want to make a movie and get paid uh, five, six, seven thousand $7,000 and get free food and all the beer we can drink? Yeah, why not? What else are we going to do this summer? Uh, but never had any any idea at all that it would turn into the kind of thing that it is nowadays where it hasn't died. It just continues to grow in popularity, and it's it's all over the world. And let me tell you, anyone who wants to have a Hanson Brothers classic Charlestown Chiefs hockey jersey worn during the filming of Slapshot can check out Classic Auctions at www.classicauctions.net. Tell me about that, Dave. Well, that's kind of a little quick funny story there is that the Hanson Brothers for the last 20-some years continue to be asked to uh, come to different parts of the country, even different parts of the world to help raise money or for some charitable or needy cause. And, and so we've been traveling around doing that. And just recently, you'd think, it's as strange as it sounds, we were sitting in a locker room uh, after a charity hockey game, the three of us were talking, and we just kind of stumbled across the conversation of what memorabilia do we have from the movie. And we all surprised ourselves by realizing that we still had our original blue Chiefs jersey that we wore in the movie. And uh, it was like, well, Dave, where, you know, where's yours, Jersey Ben? I said, well, you know, mine's sitting in a box in the corner of my garage. And, you know, Steve and Jeff was kind of similar. It's like, well, what do you think we should do with them? What do we plan on doing with them? It's kind of like, well, I don't know. They've been sitting there for 30-some years. I don't know what the heck we should do with them. And we said, well, maybe there's somebody out there in that world that's a big fan that would enjoy having these jerseys a lot more than we would. So we hooked up with the Classic Auctions out of Montreal and talk to uh, Mark Juneau there, and he says, yeah, you know, we'll put them up for auction and see if we can find somebody that's willing to, uh, to uh, pay for them and enjoy them. And that's, that's where they're at right now. Dave, when you think back on your career, is there a particular moment that kind of sticks with you that when you kind of reflect on it, it means an awful lot to Dave Hansen? I wouldn't say, Ron, that there's a moment. I would just say that in my 10 years, I look back and I think, you know, I reflect on where I grew up, you know, which was, you know, an inner city, small high school. You know, we literally built our hockey rink ourselves and flooded it. I didn't play in an indoor rink till I was a junior in high school. And then to think, you know, coming from from those roots to playing with and against great hockey players like Bobby Orr, Bobby Hall, Gordy Howe, Frank Mahovlich, you know, just the the undeniable greats of the game, uh, you know, that is just more than, than I would ever, ever in my wildest dream have thought that it was going to happen to Dave Hansen. I just feel so blessed because of it. And when you think about those great players, what is it that they consistently always did in order to become great in hockey? Well, they just had a passion for the game. You know, I mean, that, that's the one thing that I shared is, you know, you take a look at Gordy Howe, and he played well into his early 50s. Well, you don't do that unless you love the game. And, and you know, you just saw it. They wore, the, they wore the, their heart on their sleeves when they played. You know, Bobby Hall. I, I played against Bobby Orr. His last game, uh, he was a Blackhawk. I, I got the opportunity to play against him when I was with the Detroit Wed Wings. And I just sat and marveled on the, uh, on the bench watching him, the things he could do on the ice, and then come to find out that that was his last hockey game because he felt, that he couldn't play to the standard that he was used to because his knees were so bad. And I thought, oh, my gosh, you know, he was just doing great things there. So, you know, these guys just played with a passion that is unmatched by, by anybody else yet, uh, yet felt by everybody else that played the game during that time.
Dave, I want to thank you for your time and talking about this great classic sports movie, Slapshot, and also about your career as well. You put a human face on what it was like to be a professional hockey player during that period of time. You are welcome here anytime. Take care, Dave. Well, Ron, the pleasure is all mine. I appreciate it, and I hope, hope we get a chance to talk again. Dave Hansen with us on Sports Byline. We continue with America's Sports Talk Show. You have been listening to Ron Barr's Sports Byline USA podcast on the 8Side Network. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.